This is Sending Signals, a show about music and creativity. I'm your host, Matt Royal. Welcome to the show. My guest this episode, John Lodge of the Moody Blues. Perhaps like me, when a classic artist, let's say Roger Waters, announces they are re-recording a classic album from their catalogue, let's say Dark Side of the Moon, the question that springs to mind is, why? Realistically, our perspective as fans, though, is often quite different from that of an artist. As well as, let's be honest, business and brand awareness considerations. Anyway, John Lodge of the Moody Blues has recently released his reworking of the Moody Blues 1967 opus, Days of Future Past. I wanted to explore some of this possible disconnect between artist and fan in our conversation. I was also naturally curious about the status of the Moody Blues. It appears they've broken up since the retirement and subsequent death of drummer Graham Edge. And I wonder what the relationship was now like between John and band leader Justin Hayward. John is discreet and I didn't want to push things too far, so there's possibly a lot left unsaid here, but see what you think. I will say John was excellent company. I really enjoyed my time with him and his new version of Days of Future Past is sounding pretty good. Here's a clip. Hi, John. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. How are you? Yeah, fine, thank you. Good. I think um, last time we spoke, it was the middle of COVID, and um, <laughs> uh, in these crazy times, had just come out. Yeah, it's uh, it was strange period. Strange period. It was weird because I listened back to the interview yesterday, and um, you, you were saying how it's hard to imagine that anything's going to go back to how it was before now it's always going to be a bit a bit different but in a way the world it's almost like the world's forgotten isn't it it was like a collective delusion we had or something yeah it's like uh it's like a valley which we jumped over somewhere yeah uh, it, it's strange uh, few things have changed but uh yeah you've got to get on with your life how are you are you okay yeah, great, thank you. Yeah, you're in England at the moment, yeah? Yeah, I'm in Cobham in Surrey. I'm at home. Oh, nice. And family family, okay? Yeah, everybody's fine. My daughter is, of course, married to John Davison from Yes, and they're on uh, they're on tour in the uh, uh, States at the moment. First concert last night, so, yeah. Oh. Yeah, because yes, we're supposed to be playing up the road from me, but it's been—I think it's been postponed again to next year. And yeah, yeah, next year. Where yeah. where are you? Um, I'm in South End on Sea. 
Okay. Oh, fabulous. So, so we're obviously talking about Days of Future Past, my sojourn. Um, are you? How are you feeling about it? I'm over. I'm, I, I'm ecstatic in a way, um, because uh, I've just did two tours of America, and the re reaction to the concert, Days of Future Past concert. It's been fabulous, uh, and that's why I've released the album. And um, the album's, you know, getting great reviews, and uh, I'm really pleased because I didn't want it to be a replica of First Days of Future Past. I wanted it to be uh, My Days of Future Past in 2023, you know, with the added audio, the added how you interpret a song slightly different, but also as a vocalist trying to get into the heads of, uh, you know, the other guys in the band, uh, how they sang the song. What does it mean? Can you elaborate on what you mean by you want it to be you in 2023, like your version? Like what, for you, what, what does that what does that mean? I, I I tell you what, you know, when you write a song, uh, say, um, from Days of Futures Past, 1967, you hope that song relates to people, whatever age group, growing up. So somebody today who was like 23 when I wrote Days of Future Past, will have the same feelings, experiences, hopes, dreams, shatters, everything, uh, as I did then. And I hope somebody at that age can relate to the lyrics of the song and the, um, and the um, you know, the melodies of the song uh, that they can relate to and say, I know what that song is about. And I was hoping that all of their songs through the years would have that effect on people. So that's why Days of Future Past today, my surgeon, it's about me today. And uh, hopefully somebody who's my age knows what I means, but somebody who's 23 finding this album for the first time will know what the album is about. What is the album about to you? Uh, the album is about uh, growing up, uh, and not a day in the life, but about growing up, What what what's happened to you. You know, when we started out, uh, we were a blues band, um, yeah. a rock and roll band. Uh, and the blues is, we thought, what is the blues about? We've never been to America. And we were singing it about uh, Get Up This Morning, da-da-da-da-da, we didn't know what that was about. We weren't from Memphis uh, or the Delta. We had no idea, uh, what a, no idea what a plantation was, what a, what a deal it was, King Biscuit Hour, a blues station. We had no idea, but we were singing about it. And we thought, what is, what is the blues? It's about growing up and your life. What and that's what all the blues players wrote and sang about, and so we said, why don't we do that uh, as a, as an Englishman? Uh, 
write about how we grow up, uh, what we were hoping for, what we were looking forward to. And that's what about Days of Future Past, for me, is about. So you can look at it on this surface level and go, okay, so it takes you through a day. The day begins, dawn, Tuesday afternoon, nights in White Saturn. But for you, it's, it's actually more about the journey of a lifetime and those, those kind of almost representing like dawn being the start of your life and the different stage of your life as opposed to just one day. Yes, yeah. It's, I think Days of Future Past was multi-layered. Yeah. It's really multi-layered. And that's why I call the album Days of Future Past My Sojourn because this is another layer of Days of Future Past. It's another layer of me. And uh, wherever you come in on that layer, whatever age you are, I um, hope, uh, you can relate to different layers uh, of, of the album. Well, I've I've grown up with your music and I've just turned 40. And so I have a personal history <laughs> with you. <coughs> the, the Voices in the Sky compilation when I was really young and seeing you in Ipswich, you know, 10 years ago or something. So I, <coughs> I guess for, fa- for fans, you, you, you all have this kind of personal history, don't we, with you? And so... It's kind of odd because I was you when I was a kid, you know, you you predated me by a lot. I was born in eighty three, so by that point you you predated me massively. Yeah. But then I thought, actually, I've known your music for for decades now, and you're still here making music. And actually, it's weird how time works, and that yeah, I've kind of been interested in your work for a large section of your career now, just because time keeps going on, and that's a really strange. I have other bands like Marillion. I'm a huge Marillion fan. I got into them when I was about 11 years old and they already seemed like an old band because they predated me. But now I've been a fan for most of their... Yeah, career, yeah. Just because, yeah, it's very strange. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's why one of the reasons I wanted to um, celeb- celebrate Days of Future Past because the anniversary of it and... Uh, I think I thought it was really important because, you know, time stands still, but strangely enough, somewhere else it doesn't stand still, you know? Um, it's like you and I talking. We, we could be talking during COVID right now, and the time would have stood still from then till now. But in that gap... A lot has happened, and that was what I was trying to do with Days of Future Past. A lot has happened to me, a lot has happened to everyone, but here we are in 2023. Did Did you have any reticence about doing it? Just I think into, often for creative people, the decisions that creative people make often do not are not always relatable to uh, a fan. For example so i think for, like i'm guessing i'm guessing you like everyone likes the beatles you know if if paul mccartney was going to remake sergeant pepper in 2023 would you think that was a good idea i'm thinking probably not but for you the idea of revisiting the moody's you know first you know the proper their kind of proper debut if you like like that seemed like a good idea to you and do you ever struggle with that disconnect between perhaps 
you as a creative person and what a fan might think? Um, not really, because as as a, um, as a musician, a songwriter, and a singer, I try to cover all those facets. So I'm still creating uh, new music, but I'm not going to deny the music I've written before. And yeah. uh, I don't want to do it retrospectively. I didn't want Days of Future Past to be, you play Days of Future Past on one record and at the same time play on another, the new one, on another turntable, and they're both the same. I didn't want that. Yeah. What I wanted was for the emotion, uh, for, for the, yeah, for the emotion of the album to come over today in 2023. I thought that was really important. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I'm uh, touring. Uh, I uh, I'm touring. All, always playing all Moody Blues songs, uh, not just my own, but keeping Ray Thomas's music alive. And also, when I did Days of Future Past, the new one, how I got going on it was. I wanted one of the guys in the band to tick it off. And the one person I wanted was Graham Edge. Because Graham wrote, for me, the perfect poetry that had never been on a rock album before. Yeah. Uh, Graham wrote it, but he never, ever recorded it. It was Mike that sang it, and my voice was fabulous. But I went to Graham and said, Graham, I'm going to do Days of Future Past. I would like you to go in the studio with me and record the poetry, and I want to film you so you all always have a place on stage with me. Oh. And Graham said, John, I'd love you to do that. I've never recorded my own poetry. And please keep the Moody Blues music alive. And that was a big tick for me because that's, that was the difference with this album and the first one. Because this album have, had Graham talking from the heart of his poetry that he'd written. Yeah, it's sweet to hear him on there. It's really, well. it's really great. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Graham passed away. I was with him just the week before he passed, and uh, he never ever saw uh, his video on stage, which is a shame. Are you and Justin in a place where you can send this to him to listen to and see what he thinks, or is that just not? Is that not going to happen? No, I wouldn't do that. I don't think we would have done it in the Moody Blues days either. You know, yeah. uh, you know, when we re used to record an album, uh, you'd get the um, acetate, you know, the first pressing, and listen to it and make changes to the mix or uh, the mastering, and that that would be. I don't think I'd listen to it again. Uh, yeah, uh, because you, we created it, and it was done. And I wouldn't think about 
send it to any other guys in the band and say, what do you think about No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, it's, I think it's an odd thing as well for people to understand because I guess you and you and Justin essentially are work colleagues, weren't you? Yeah. You know, and it's it's an unusual situation like for for being in a project together from 1967 onwards. It's the only job in the world where you're kind of pressured to continue to have a relationship with someone that you worked with yeah. <laughs> like 50 years ago. Um, that's an, you know, you, you, you don't get some team of architects who are like, you were a great team. Like you should still work together 50 years later. And like, that must be a, that's an unusual situation kind of navigating that, I guess, sort of the line between we're, we're associated because of, you know, music, your music is also a business, isn't it? It's not just, oh, we're mates who make music. It's kind of, it's uh, yeah, it, as well. we, we, we still, work out the same office who still got the same secretaries uh, yeah. uh today you know um it, it's just justin didn't want to do the moody blues anymore and yeah. I, I think it's really important uh i remember when ray decided he didn't want to do the be on the road anymore I, he rang me up one sunday morning and said uh, i've known ray we worked together since I was 15. And Ray rang me up on Sunday and said, hey, Rocker, he always called my Rocker. Hey, Rocker, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm sorry. And I said to him, Ray, you've got to, you know, it's your life. You've got to decide what you want to do and what you makes you happy. Uh, and I'll back you up, whatever you want to do. And uh, yeah. you have to do that because... Um, you know, but I, I'm a moody blue and I always will be a moody blue and I'm just going to keep the moody blues music alive. That's why uh, I do songs in my show, uh, Ray Thomas songs, Mike Pinder songs, to keep their music alive. It's important. Did going back and sort of reconstructing the album, albeit with, with fresh eyes, did it spark any memories that you'd forgotten from the original process? No, I, I I tried to uh, make my mind devoid of that. Yeah. I don't. I didn't want to be locked in to how we did it. Um, I wanted to look at the songs afresh uh, yeah. and and say, okay, that's the song. How do we do that? It would. As, so it's got the same emotion and the same feeling, but it's different. And probably, probably more energy in it. And, um, and of course, the, the audio f thing, you know, when we made Days of Future Pass, we used two four-track tape machines to make an album. And today, with computers... You got infinite amount amount of uh, opportunity, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I I didn't. I remember, of course, without thinking about the album uh, of those days and what we did and how we did it and the playbacks and uh, Tony Clark and Daryl Varnos. Of course, it's a part of my life, you know, and uh, so. Do you do you remember 
just him playing Unites in White Satin the first time. Do you remember him bringing it in and playing it to you? Yeah, it wasn't there. It was, we all shared, uh, we were all in, in a block of flats in London on the Bayswater Road, opposite yeah. the Russian Embassy. We all had our own little flats in this building, this beautiful building. And uh, I went down to Justin's uh, uh, flat, and uh, I think Ray was there at the time as well. And uh, yeah, I think Ray was there, and he played the song uh, to me there, uh, and Ray was playing flute, and it was great. I bet you couldn't have predicted that <laughs> you'd be kind of playing that. Um, every night for a, you know for many years. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it hit you as a good song, but you you couldn't have known the significance that that was going to uh, be in your life. You know? No, we could nothing we ever did we would know what was going to happen to us and to the record and everything else, uh, and what would we what it would do to our lives, you know. Do you, is is there a song in particular that you remember a band member presenting to you that really floored you? Have you got a, a key memory of of hearing someone play you a song for the first time and you being really astonished by it? I was, I think, to be honest, I was floored by all the songs. Really, because. We used to sit around a coffee table most of the time, not in the studio. It could could be rehearsals. It could we could be living in Belgium, but we'd sit around the coffee and each of us would play a new song. And once you'd played the song, it became a Moody Blues song, and everybody had their input in it. So I was. It was always great to hear any song that anyone did. I remember uh, I was sharing a flat with Ray and he got up uh, <laughs> one afternoon. I'll say this on stage. That he got up one morning at three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> and he said, I've just written this song about this guy in California. And he sang me, Ray didn't understand or didn't want to actually the chord sequence in yeah. melodies. In, it was melody, yeah. He had great melodies. And he sang me, uh, Timothy Leary is dead uh, there in the flat. And the, that blew me away, you know, uh, just one vocal. Great. Um, was it difficult to sequence your album? So you'd, you'd, you'd pick a theme and you'd all write around that theme, whether it was going to the moon or childhood or, or whatever it was. And then how would you go about sequencing the album in order? Did you leave that to Tony Clark to do or did you have arguments about it? Or how would that process work? We, we used to discuss it all. And, of course, on an album, you could only get, well, 22 minutes maximum aside so we had to work out what would add up to 22 minutes as well so there's there's a practical side of it and uh, uh, a melodic side what we used to do was 
A lot of albums today, but not today, a lot of people write in the same key. The album comes on and all the songs are in the same key. We always made the keys of the songs differently. So it every one song, whether it was a slow song or a fast song or whatever, a rock and roll song, the key change would have an impact, really impact. And that's what you used to do. Uh, and build the build the um, relationship of the songs with the 40 minutes we had available on the album. So when you'd have songs like Procession or In the Beginning, they're clearly, you know, there's only one place in the album those songs can sit, which is at the start. Yes. Were, were you, in those instances, trying to create an opening for the album? Yeah. Okay. We would, we'd, we'd, when we did Days of Future Past, we realised we did needed something to mould it all together. And that's why Graham writes on poetry and yeah. Graham's poetry linked everything together. And so every album we did, we, we said, oh, we need something to get this album off the ground, procession. So we write, you know, and that's what we do. Yeah. Um are you planning to tour the UK with Days of Future Past? Is that going to happen? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. We're trying to organise it now. It's getting the right agent to the right place. But uh, obviously in early summer next year, I'd really like to be touring the UK. I miss touring the UK. Uh, we've got a lot of fans being disappointed because you know I'm not on the road um, so the only good thing I suppose I, I do these these cruises every year oh, yeah. uh, like rock and romance rock and roll cruises uh, flower power cruise next year and a lot of English people make the effort and uh, they come over to Miami and join the cruise for a week and we have a great time yeah. But I do miss touring England uh, and Scotland and Wales. And I'd like to go to Ireland as well. I've been there uh, for a long time even. I know you've got another interview at half past. So just, just to finish on, do you feel like the legacy of the Moody Blues is where it should be? Or do you feel a bit underappreciated sometimes? Do you, is there stuff in the vault that's going to come out in the future? Like in terms of the Moody Blues and your legacy what do you think yeah where, where do you how do you feel about it right as of today oh I'm, I, you know uh, I'm happy yeah yeah I, I, that's all I can say really uh, uh, we uh, as a movie viewers we had a wondrous career the, the albums still stand up uh, I'm still on the road now and have a great time I've got a great band, uh, and I'm just enjoying it. Really happy. Uh, as far as the legacy, uh, someone said, uh, "What you? The Moody Blues fans are a silent majority." 
And uh, that may be right, you know. Yeah. Don't go around cheering away, but sit down, relax, and say, "Yeah, I love this music." Yeah. Well, I certainly do. It was. Um, it's been fun to talk to you again, John. Thank you for doing it. Thank you, Matt. I hope to see you in Ipswich. Yeah, me too. All right, my friend. Have a good day. Cheers. Bye. And that's our show. Thanks, as always, to our guests whose opinions are their own. Please help the show to grow by telling friends about the show and find me on Instagram at Sending Signals Podcast and on Twitter, or X as it's now called, at Signals Podcast. Bye for now.